Welcome to Konoha Crush, a clandestine effort to exhaustively research and document events occurring in and around the village hidden in the leaves. I'm Ruby. I'm Gwen. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a bit since we recorded, but we're back. This is immaterial to everybody listening to the podcast because you know we haven't released anything yet. But like, we're back. Welcome back, Ruby. Welcome back, Gwen. I want it on record that it's not my fault that we didn't record last week. I wasn't playing too much Final Fantasy XIV, and I would have been ready. Yeah. Um. I got my third dose of Moderna, and so I had a fever on Tuesday, which is a recording day if you pay attention to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So that, 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 that way you know that neither of us are irresponsible. But yeah, how have you been in these last uh, these last couple of weeks, Glenn? Because I haven't been doing shit that isn't playing Final Fantasy XIV, and I don't think we want to talk about that in the podcast. Yeah, I've just been fucking busy. Uh. You've been busy? Is like on the, do you all like what you've been busy about on the podcast or no? Yeah, I don't see why not. I've been busy with the podcast. Ah, shit. I feel like I got really lucky high and dry on this one. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, I I took on this workload knowing what I was getting myself into, and uh, a lot of it is very front-loaded, so I'm good now. You're good now. It's all easy from here on out. Yeah, it's all easy from here on out, except for when I have to edit the podcast still, because that sucks to do. But other than that, all easy. All easy. But it's a, it, it sounds like maybe neither of us watched any anime that wasn't three episodes of Naruto. Or at least not any anime, any anime we want to talk about. Yeah, like, I've watched the episodes of the stuff that I'm keeping up with. Oh yeah, same. Nothing we haven't mentioned, right? Like, And it's not like a, I have like a, a take on this thing I've been watching that I feel like I want to say, right? It's just like, you know. So yeah, that, that, there's, there's maybe just not a lot going on in this first segment then. Do we want to like just get into it? Yeah, that sounds good. I guess that's my job. It's both of our jobs, but you have to read just the summaries you wrote. Episode 10, The Forest of Chakra. Kakashi wakes up back at Tazuna's place after going so hard with his Sharingan his whole body stopped working. And now that he's had the opportunity to think about it for 30 seconds uninterrupted, he comes to the conclusion that Zabaza is actually super not dead. Meanwhile, Haku is waking Zabaza up from not being dead, and it turns out they're pals. Kakashi is certain they have a tough fight ahead of them, and announces the kids are going to need to train and trade hard to not get extremely killed by Zabaza, but he thinks they have a shot. They are interrupted by a little boy, Tazuna's grandson named Inari. He thinks they're all going to die, because there's no such thing as heroes, and there's no point in trying, and then stomps off to go look at the ocean. Naruto finds him crying over a photo of a cool guy, who's probably dead or something. Or something. Or something. It happens to any of us if we get too cool, which is why we're making a Naruto podcast. Well, I'm glad to be insured. So the, the first thing I want to talk about with this stretch of this episode is like, I, I think there's some interesting things to dig into when Kakashi is talking more about uh, what the deal is with the Tracker Ninja and uh, what their what their role is. Um, like, we, we know obviously that they, they go around, they dispose of the of the bodies, but I think it, it's interesting the way Kakashi talks about like, if enemy ninja find you when you're dead, they're just going to like chop you up and find out whatever they can. So we just got to get rid of everything. And I think that stuff's pretty evocative. But it's also... Um, it's also kind of interesting to me the way he brings up, like he brings up in his specific case, they would need to dispose of his body so that enemies couldn't discover the secrets of the Sharingan. And it, it made me think a little bit about abilities like that that are like tied to bloodlines or whatever, and uh, how much um, how much being part of a village could be like sort of a bit of insurance for a bloodline or like a family who's like, hey, I don't I don't want to get chopped up for research when I die. I want like the, this tiny amount of dignity of just getting my shit disposed of. 
I think it's like definitely an interesting wrinkle into like the social structure of these villages and like why you get like the specific clans that are in a village that are so like long standing and like so significant as a part of it because like seems like a pretty beneficial arrangement to have if you want there to be any semblance of like respect for you after you're dead. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting uh, fold to it. Um, I do have I do have a little bit of a problem with Kakashi's idea of how a real tracker ninja would have sort of handled that situation. You would have just started like chopping into him there, like getting rid of everything, or yeah, yeah. Like the goal of the tracker ninja is to keep that stuff away from like other ninja villages. Like, presumably you would at the very least not do it in front of an enemy. Right. So it makes sense for them to be like, yeah, I'm going to grab this body, disappear, and then do it where I land. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's just funny that that's the thing that, like, tipped Kakashi off. And that he was right. Usually when people are getting rid of a body, they just cast fire spell right there and just get rid of everything. If there's things I was thinking about with the, with the Tracker Ninja is that I, I'm thinking about when, when the whole Uchiha clan died. Think about how much it was, like how bad of a day it is for those guys. Where it's just like, oh, we gotta get rid of all of these guys. Like all these people don't have a showering gun. We gotta get rid of all of these guys. Just, just a bad day. Well, they died inside the village. So I don't, I don't think it would have been like that urgent a thing. Yeah, but it's still like a pain in the ass, I bet. Also, um, the the Uchiha clan, and I guess Kakashi by extension, even though, you know, the, the, the thing about them also that makes it really uh, worthwhile that Shaka Ninja are a thing is like, you could just take Sharingan from a corpse if you wanted to. Like, transplanting eyes just works, apparently. It's really easy, evidently. Uh, but my other, one of my, one of my favorite little shots from this episode is that when Kakashi is talking about uh, Tracker Ninja and like what, what, what sort of training they go through, like in in the manga, there's just like these few a few like brief cutaway panels of like guys like examining like corpses and stuff. But in the anime, we get this great shot of like special school for cool guys with cool masks. I think it's amazing. God, I wish I wish it was I wish Naruto was about ninja with cool masks instead of ninja with headbands. I feel like it probably makes your, your job harder if you can't draw the guy's faces all the time. Well, I mean, they don't have to, like, wear the masks on the faces. Oh, okay. They've just got cool masks, like, strapped to the side of their face or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, you know, as like, a shoulder pad or a, or a belt buckle or whatever. They put on their cool mask when it's time for serious business. And we get, like, we get, like, Gundam cockpit cutaways of the guy's faces behind the masks or whatever. We get a fucking Iron Man Avengers fucking... Naruto's got equipped to say behind this cool mask. So that happened. I, I feel like we've stopped making Naruto, like, having good ideas about Naruto. Like, what would be cool at this point? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you have. That was yours. <laughs> the The other thing I, I, I want to, to note here is that in, in the manga, when in the scene where Kakashi is, like, waking up, we, we we do get like a little a little like sneak peek at what will become later like a much greater feature in the show for like an episode of uh, Naruto and Sakura wanting to see what's behind Kakashi's mask. And, you know, it's, it's 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 a little sad we don't get that cute moment because there's a lot of like kind of rushing through a bunch in this first episode we have here. But you know, we'll 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 make up for that later, I'm sure. So, is there a good reason for him? Like, are you are you asking me? Yeah. Uh, I don't really I don't really think so. I think he just likes to wear a mask. Okay. Like, sometimes you just commit to a bit for so long that it becomes very important to you to, like, maintain it. Uh, I, th- I think that's just what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, like, I can relate. I drink black coffee because I think it's hot when I drink black coffee. 
That's amazing. So, like, I get it. I was concerned to say, wow, that's hot, but that's like a weird energy to bring to your like podcast co-host. Hey, do, do you want to talk a bit about uh, Zabuza and Haku? I've always wanted to talk about Zabuza and Haku. This is great. This is like a great episode for you. Yeah, and like, like yeah, so we, we, we get this, our, our first scene of them actually interacting as, as like not part of like a show for anybody else. And I, I'm curious what your read on this is initially. It's really hard to tell because Zabuza is in a very high stress situation right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think he is a little bit not chill. Yeah. I know I was the bitch that was like, Zabuza like weirdly good with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really get that in this scene. Uh, I mean, like beyond just like, yeah, I guess I can rely on you. You know, you're so you're so cool and naive. The the thing I was um so the the, the first thing that struck me in this scene was there is a line where Haku is like talking about how he doesn't want to damage Zabuza's perfect body, and that like raised like an alarm in my brain for a little bit because I'm like try. <laughs> Because obviously there's kind of something going on with, like, Haku's presentation. And, like, I, I don't know what Masashi Kishimoto thinks he's doing there. But there is definitely a moment of, like, getting to that line and wondering if there was, like, a weird, like, illicit, unfortunate relationship being implied here in this arc that I didn't remember. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case, ultimately. Although I think it might be possible that we are supposed to, like, infer that Haku is on some level attracted to Sabuza, even if that's not reciprocated. I I, I don't know. It, it, it was, like, a weird moment to me. It, it kind of, like, threw me for a loop. When that line happened, I read it a lot more sarcastically. Okay. Uh, I, I read it a lot more of, as, like, Haku kind of poking fun at Zabuza for being... For being, like, so, like, particular about, like, the way that uh, he, like, knocked him out or whatever? Yeah. Uh, that That is possible, and that is, like, less concerning than, you know, my, my initial thought. But also, I, I know that Masashi Kishimoto is not above having some kind of concerning uh, gay coding on some characters in his work, so... No, I mean, like, Haku straight up wears a choker later, so, like, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, I, I think once we get past that, like, there's a lot I like about this scene. Like, I, I, I like that th- there does seem to be a sense where they're just kind of like prodding at each other and trying to get a rise out of each other. And like not re- and like it, 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 it is still like not really like rising past that kind of like like joking tone. A- after after Seiko serial killer Zabu's in, in the previous episode, it's interesting to see him like it, it's just that that seems a lot like a front and he's just way more chill here. And like he's he's ki- he's kind of relieved to have a person who can t- he can talk to who isn't like like, like who, who doesn't have any interest in like preserving preserving their own front as like a sicko violence lover because he's definitely like poking at Haku like ah you're you're just you're just like you just like love to hurt me or whatever but and like Haku's just like no yeah whatever and they just kind of keep like going on like that I think that's I think that's I think that's yeah I don't know it's it's like a fun would like immediately cast these characters in a different light and I also like that uh Zabuza gets his own like hot-blooded shonen declaration of like I'm gonna see through the Sharingan next time I'm gonna beat him next time it's fun yeah it's cool um I also really like how much Zabuza is being like a foil for Kakashi in this arc uh and that's not something I really noticed uh when I saw this as like a stupid idiot baby Mm -hmm. was just like how how they're basically put in the same position after their fight and how they each have this like you know relationship to like a younger like protege character Mm -hmm. right you know and like even like design elements like the fucking face covering 
we we joked about how a, a nicer Zabaza is just a sword Kakashi, but like a nicer Zabaza is just a sword Kakashi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like e- even even down to like the pacing of this like whole little like leg like of this arc is like the, the downtime from Zabaza and Kakashi recovering at the same time, and then when they're better, they clash again, right? Like. Yeah, there's actually like there's actually like some structural differences in the in the anime. I like even reduce this a little bit from how it is in the manga, but there's there's definitely like a very deliberate parallel being drawn. Can we talk about this fucking kid? The the asshole kid, the asshole kid with the hat, Inari. Yeah, the fucking bucket hat dipshit Inari. <laughs> what do you want to talk about with Inari? What's your uh, what's your point of interest here? Um, I don't really have that much to say about him. Okay. Okay, I I do I do think it's uh it's, it's very funny because like in this scene right before he appears, Kakashi is like looking at his students and he's looking at Naruto. And he's like, this kid, you know, he's got great potential. Maybe he's going to be something amazing. And then the kid comes and he's like, heroes are bullshit. Nobody can ever achieve anything. Nobody can ever do anything good. And it's like it is the most transparent like setup for like ah here is the like sort of personal obstacle Naruto needs to overcome in winning over this kid. Yeah. It's pretty funny how blatant it is, but like, you know, I don't, but being like blatant about the fucking narrative intentions of a character doesn't necessarily make it not engaging. Yeah. I think I often think about with Inari is like, there is, like, I, I, I don't know how like common of like a specific thing in like all of shonen manga it is to have like a specific arc where like a kid in a hat is like, you're, the thing you're trying to do is bullshit to the shonen protagonist. Like every time I've revisited this part of Naruto since like 2014 or whatever, I, I was thinking about how Hiroaka also has like an asshole hat kid who's like, being a hero is bullshit. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that as soon as you brought it up. I was just like, wait, Hiroaka has one too. <laughs> Hiroaka is like, like I, I feel like there's definitely a lot of Hiroaka that you could just see like, oh, here's like a kind of beat that is like lifted from and then like played on in a different way from Naruto or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd like that the, the asshole hat, cat, hat kid is like such a specific one that it, it, it really strikes me. Like it's, it's so specific. <laughs> it's very specific. Like they could do the same thing with like a totally different character. It doesn't have to be a hat kid, but you know. He's like a hat, like in Hiroka, he's like a hat kid with water powers, which is like a, like, you know, this kid's like kind of water themed. He's from the land of waves. So really it's, it's all connected if you think about it. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, if this kid with the bucket hat had powers... We could say with reasonable confidence he would have water powers. Yeah, I think like it's like Naruto, Naruto when the when the when Nari is like it's bullshit to try and be a hero and do and do hero things. Naruto's trying to pick a fight with him and like everybody restrains him. But like as soon as that kid walks out of the room, Naruto like follows after him, which is going to go beat his ass again. And like I guess nobody really cares if Naruto does that when they're not watching. <laughs> Or maybe they just like figure out like cool his head a little bit by the time he walks up some stairs. Yeah, or like they know he's they know the kid's going to cry and they know that Naruto can't beat up a crying baby, so like <laughs> this, this is the limit of Naruto's ability. Yeah, we know that Naruto can punch a child, uh or at least headbutt. Uh cry- crying has not yet been tested. I mean it seems like it has like a hundred percent success rate as like a defense right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we should write that down. Crying babies. Alright. <laughs> crying baby transformation jutsu. <laughs> The perfect defensive technique. It's so strong. It's so strong. Unless you're fighting a psycho, in which case they'll just get more excited about hitting you with a big sword or whatever. Yeah, fuck. It's it's kind of like it's like part of some kind of rock paper scissors. Yeah. Like like Shonen Hero can't beat Crying Baby. Crying Baby can't beat Sicko. Sicko can't beat Shonen Protagonist. We've solved it. Yeah, we've solved it. We've solved the fucking Fire Emblem fucking weapon. You, you get to move on. Oh, sorry for interrupting while you're saying triangle. <laughs> 
No, it's okay. I remember one shape had three sides. <laughs> yeah, I'm good to move on. Later in the woods, Kakashi tells them they need to get better at chakra control and has them try to walk up the side of a tree without using their hands. Naruto and Sasuke go hard, marking up the tree inch by inch to see who can get higher up faster, while Sakura reaches the top in one try and hangs out on a branch. Back at Zabuza's hideout, Gato shows up with a couple of katane goons. Gato tries to intimidate Zabuza, but Haku isn't in the mood to be fucked with, and they all run off with their tails between their legs. Haku and Zabuza share their frustrations at not being able to kill Gato without a bunch of tracker ninja chasing after them. Back in the woods, Naruto is humbled by falling behind Sasuke in their tree competition and asks Sakura for help. Okay. We got sort of like a shonen manga staple as like we take a bunch of children out out into the woods to teach them the very basic like function of how like the the powers in the setting work. And once again, I am wondering, I am wondering what exactly you get out of an academy education here in Naruto. Yeah, right. Because like you'd you'd think that like chakra theory stuff. Yeah, and like maybe they do cover it, but it just doesn't, they just don't test on it really. Like it, it seems the only thing you need to do to graduate is to create like two illusion clones. And if you can do that, you don't really need to understand any of the fundamentals beyond that. Because like, because like Sakura is able to immediately do this, right? And th- th- I think this is the start of like the sort of character, or maybe not the start, but like but part, part of like the characterization of Sakura as kind of like, a academically excellent ninja who has like these very like strong understandings of these basic fundamental things and like uh unfortunately not much else um and so like maybe she was able to pick this up in school and like none of the other two were but also like i don't think we're supposed to think that sasuke was bad at school so i don't i don't really know maybe she just maybe sakura just picks this up fast no we know sasuke wasn't bad at school because back when they were at school sasuke was like top of the class Right, okay, yeah. But, you know, thinking about it, what does top of the class even mean, right? Like, if the test is how, like, how hard you can punch something and how, like, how accurate you can throw a knife, that doesn't really... The thing that this gets me thinking about from here is, like, if this is all true and, like, graduating from the academy teaches you basically nothing, then it seems like actually, like, learning, like, jutsus or anything relies very heavily on you having some outside support, right? Like, Sasuke knows how to do a fireball jutsu, uh, because, like, we'll learn later, like, he was taught by his family when he was young. Naruto can do shadow clones because he, like, stole a scroll and, like, went out of his way to, like, learn how to do them on his own. Like, it, it seems like learning these, like, basic or like learning like your your like core ninja toolkit or whatever is heavily reliant upon having like familial connections or like a teacher who is going to like go out of their way to like teach you or just like having access to like a scroll that has that has like techniques in it which seems really inefficient yeah yeah it doesn't seem great and i I wonder if part of the idea is like when you're going in all of your shitty baby missions, that's where your actual education happens. And you just you, you just learn enough in the academy to make sure you don't like fall out of a tree and die when you're chasing after a cat. But I mean that makes sense, but like but 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 there is still like a lot of stuff that is like better learned in a classroom, right? At, at, at least at least like the fundamentals of how chakra control works. Yeah. Right? I feel like you could just, like, explain that to the class a couple times. Uh-huh. I feel like you just have, like, a like a day where you go out to, like, the wooden posts behind the school or whatever and try to climb up or whatever. 
And I, I, I think we basically see stuff like that in like Boruto. So I guess part of Naruto being a, like being Hokage, uh, spoilers that Naruto becomes Hokage. Part Fuck. of his reforms is making them teach anything at ninja school. It is very interesting that um, it, it really does seem like you don't get anything in school, and it's very much reliant on like your connections to be able to learn anything more from there. Which is kind of a level that Sakura seems like pretty much out of luck on. Yeah, right. And like, I, I guess if you want to give the the situation like as much credit as possible, I can see a world where it is implied or just the case that it is the like Jonin sensei or I guess leader or whatever you want to call them of the squad. Like half of their job is networking with the other ninja around the village to, to figure out, like, okay, like, who who can actually teach this kid what this kid needs to know as far as, like, specialized techniques? But, like, it definitely seems like Kakashi isn't going to do shit for Sakura because he looks at her and, he, and he's like, oh, she's got less, like, chakra potential than these other two, so, like, she can just, uh, she can just go off and do whatever. Yeah, she'll just, she'll just be the doctor or, like, uh... Or like a florist or something when these two are cool guys. You know, girl stuff. Girl stuff. It, it is definitely kind of... Because uh, in my memory of this stuff, something I always, I, I always thought was like, you know, it's kind of weird that Kakashi, the guy who has like a thousand jutsus mastered, doesn't go to Sakura and be like, hey, while these, other, while these, these boys are learning the basics, I'm going to teach you something cool. And then that would be like a motivator for, uh, for you know, the the two who don't get to learn like special cool jutsu from the copy ninja Kakashi. Oh my god! Right. Like that. Like that. That would be a cool thing. But no, Kakashi just like basically gives up on her instantly. He's like, she's good at this, but she's not gonna amount to anything. So like, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just done on that front. Which is, it's such a weird thing because like it changes how Naruto is positioned so quickly in this group dynamic because. Even though Naruto is kind of the comedy dumb guy a lot of the time, he's still a person that, like, has people invested in his growth in a way that Sakura doesn't. And it puts Sakura on the back foot in this group that, like, I don't think, in a way that I don't think the show is ever going to reckon with. No, we know it doesn't because she just marries Sasuke and then becomes a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, it was just kind of fascinating to see how much she basically didn't have a chance from, uh, from moment one. Yeah, it's fucked up. I... I not, not to be, like I, there is stuff I like about this scene though. Like I, I don't want to be a complete downer. I do like, um, like there's the bit where, uh, where like Sakura is like explaining chakra to the audience, and then like it is, it is sort of a, like a comedy dumb guy moment for Naruto to be like, I don't get this. But there's also like a sense of like he kind of knows that, um, like he knows how he learns and he knows that he's not going to like start to understand something by just getting the same explanation he's already heard repeated to him. And I, I, I like that as, like, a little moment of self-awareness for him, even if it is also, like, a sort of a joke at his expense. Yeah, uh, he uses the wrong word for chakra again. Yeah, he yeah he has a really hard time with that one. He should he should learn what the word is, I think. That, that'll, help him, that'll help him a lot um, with his Google searches for helping, because I'm not going anywhere with this. I'm sorry. Okay, so I was, I was appalled... Yeah. Uh, that you in your in your um in your descriptions of this episode, you would just call them katana goons and not by their names. Uh, Zori and Waraji, everybody's favorite characters. I'm sorry, they have names. <laughs> they have names. These guys are gonna come back. <laughs> I don't think their names were ever said in episode. 
I don't know that they were. I don't remember where their names come from, but I did remember seeing them and be like, oh shit, it's Zori and Waraji. <laughs> because this is the information that lives in my brain forever. Okay. Well, what are they like? I don't know. They're like Gato's goons. They're like, uh, they're like me and anime goon guys. Uh, what weapons do they have? They have swords. They've got katanas. They're katana goons. Okay. The, the, the other thing that, like, I, I think these guys actually, like, look pretty striking. Yeah, they're, they're a great henchman design. Yeah, which, I mean, we, 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 we dunked on, uh, Mizuki a lot back in the first episode, but it, it is funny how these, like, nobody goons are just so much more immediately, like, recognizable and, like, like, defined visually than, um, than that guy. Who? Uh, you know, uh... <laughs> but you're not, you're not gonna forget Zori Naraji, right? Which one's which? Shit. <laughs> I think Zori is the one with white hair. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. That, that makes, that makes sense. Having a Z in your name is a very white hair guy thing. Like Mizuki. Mizuki. We've solved the... We, we, we're cracking so many codes on this episode. I, I also like uh, the stuff with Zabuz and Haku, uh, Haku here more. Um, like, I, I, I like once the once the Katana goons vacate the room. Zabuz would be like, hey, you, you didn't need to, like... You didn't need to, like, threaten them. I have a knife. It's cool. And uh, Haku would be like, yeah, well, they, like, annoyed me. So... Like, I get I, I just like... I'm so relieved that Zabuza is normal after him putting on his, like, big serial killer display in the in the previous episodes. Yeah. Like, he's just a guy. Like, he's still a little bit aggressive. Like, he's still a murderer. Yeah, but he's, like, a guy. Yeah, but he is just, like, a guy. He, 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 he only does the serial killer scary poor shit to scare children. And who can fucking blame him? I mean, I guess all of us can. Ch- children are really funny to scare, so, like, it makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, I, I think that about does it for me on this episode. I had my big talks about things I wanted to talk about. Nice. Episode 11, The Land Where a Hero Once Lived Sakura is on bridge builder guard duty while the boys are still off training. Tazuna is approached by a worker wanting to quit on account of the murder that's going to happen. Tazuna tells everyone that the future of the whole country hinges on the completion of this bridge and gives everyone the rest of the day off. They stop for groceries on the way home and Sakura is confronted by the poverty this bridge project is supposed to help. In the woods, Naruto is making good progress and Sasuke, not wanting to get surpassed, Ask Naruto what tip Sakura gave him. Naruto doesn't say. I, I gotta talk about this bridge. Yeah, so, like, obviously, within the, the like, stakes of the arc, the you know, the bridge is, like, the thing that will allow them to, you know, get, get some control back from Gato of their home or whatever, and, uh, you know, give them hope. I can accept that as the stakes of this arc. However... I, I, I'm, I'm watching these episodes, and I'm watching them, like, closely because that's what I'm doing here. And I, I have some questions about what the bridge is supposed to do for these people exactly, and, like, who it's actually helping. I imagine the idea is that if they are connected to the mainland via bridge, then they don't have to rely on boats, i.e. Gato, to move stuff like food and... yeah. On the salt back and forth, mm-hmm. and right, and, and this part, this part's fine. Sure, I buy it. But like, and the, like that, that is like basically how it's framed in the subs for the anime. But like in in like the the manga, and like I also like checked out the dub version of this line. Like Tazna keeps talking about like bringing wealth to the people. Like it's like the land of bringing wealth back to the land of the waves. 
I guess I'm a little I, I'm a little skeptical about the idea of just getting money back into like the right people's hands fixing everything. And I'm 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 starting to wonder who those right people are. Like I right like because yeah sorry go on. I guess the idea is that the land of waves has an export of some of some kind, and that Gato, as of now, is the only way for them to get their export off of the island. And so Gato is getting all of the money as the like, well, if, well, if I don't let you get this off Island, you don't get it off Island. Therefore I have all the power in this arrangement. So I get all the money, but like somebody has, somebody else has to be getting the money. If Gato isn't like it, I don't believe that. uh, I I don't believe that like the, the, this world, this like country, is just going to like fix itself and be good, and like you know, you know, like we'll we'll get money in there, and everybody will be happy, and everybody will equally have the money because that's not how anything works no. when like money is involved. No, I mean like it's still like it's still going to be the rich guys that own everything, right? And I'm I'm starting to wonder, is Tasana that guy? Is Tasana that guy? Because Tasana is like you know he's. He is sort of the fantasy of like the nice boss and the hardworking boss who's there with his crew every day and he's putting his life on the line just with them, right? But he's still their boss. He's still their boss. You know, he t- he talks about how he doesn't have money to like get like a to get like a full scale like a, a mission of the like difficulty level that he actually needs, right? But we see we see poor people in the land of waves and then we see tazuna who's got like a nice house where he goes back and eats like a full meal every day at he does have a nice house and a full meal every day like not just for him but for like you know to two people live with him and like four guests <laughs> and he's like that seems to be going fine for him like he is definitely at a different level than everybody else we see here really yeah who are just kind of like roaming the streets and like being poor and trying to steal from each other, I guess. Yeah. And so I, I can't help but wonder if if like the dream here is that Tazno will just become the nice Gato. Yeah, well Tazno doesn't hire Tazno doesn't Tazno doesn't sell drugs. Tazno does contact other countries' CIAs to be like, hey. <laughs> the other thing that I started to wonder is like, what sort of like governmental body does the land of waves have and we don't really ever learn anything about that like every time the land of waves is like referenced in future stuff we get like like if we get allusion to anybody who's in control of anything it's tazuna like there is like there's a point later in naruto where tazuna shows up to like help build some stuff being vague about that there is like a novel apparently where tazuna is like leading an airship construction project that will basically allow the land of waves to have uh like a huge sway on all global trade oh no yeah <laughs> and there is a there is an arc in boruto where in the background we get a reference to like the land of water being anxious about the land of waves growing like financial influence oh god so tazda might just be nice gato that's really that's really funny. It's pretty funny. I mean, all, all, all these gears were turning in my head during this. Sorry, go on. Also, can we talk about how, like, bad Gato is at this whole, like, bridge sabotage thing? 
Yeah. Like, let them waste all of their resources building the bridge and then just fucking blow it up when it's done. Yeah, like you, you could hire ninjas who could probably blow shit up, I bet. I bet Zabu's like, you could just like have Zabu's be like, hey, do a big wave and like crush that bridge when it's, once it's finished. Well, I mean, we, we haven't seen it so much yet, but one of the like main ninja equipment is a piece of paper that fucking explodes. Yeah. So, you know, it can't be that hard to blow up a bridge. Mm-hmm. Also, um, when we saw the bridge being built, uh, did you notice that it was like really close to being done? Yeah. Um, also, I don't think that's how bridges are built. <laughs> you don't think they just start from one end and, like, go across the... <laughs> no, I think, like... Well, he he can't get over there, so he has to. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? He made it all the way to the Hidden Leaf. Yeah, but he can't take his construction equipment over there. He has to go on, like, a little boat with a motor. He can't put, like, a backhoe on a little boat with a motor. <laughs> You got like big like mechanical construction equipment and shit. You just need a rope. You just need a rope in like a ferry. F E R R Y, not F A I R Y. Though a ferry could help too. Yeah, I, I don't know if those exist in the in the world of Naruto, but fucking they might as well. And yet another thing I want to talk about here is that like like I alluded briefly to like Tazuna being like separate from the poor people here. Yeah. But also, like, the depiction of, like, poor people here is just super condescending. And, like... It's so bad. It's so bad. Like, Sakura just, like, wandering around in shock at the fact that, like, uh, all these people are hungry and they and they don't have jobs. And we get, like, a, we get, like, a joke twice of, like, she thinks somebody's trying to grab her ass, but they're just trying to steal from her. Everyone, everyone is just wearing beige robes and rolling around in the dust. Yeah, and Taz is like, if we get this bridge built, they'll all have hope again, and they'll stop being slackers. Christ, this the slackers thing is a thing that only I only saw in like the the official manga translation. Like I like so I, I I don't know how much that is like them trying to punch that line up, but there is still like the sense of like you know if we just have the bridge and hope, all of these people will be able to pull themselves back up, even in uh you know they'll have the courage and the hope to get get jobs. It's it's not great. I don't think Tazuna is nice gato. I think Tazuna is within the vocabulary of Naruto, nice gato. I think Tazuna sucks. I think Tazuna sucks. Fuck. But fortunately, fortunately we get to cut to Naruto and Sasuke in the woods and they're just being dumbasses. That is great. It's so good. Uh, it's it's just so good how like immediately ready Naruto is to gloat about not knowing something that somebody else does. Yeah. It's like, he, he, he didn't help to get here, but he's not going to give it to anybody else because he gets to be, like, smarter than Sasuke about something. That's awesome to him. And, like, you know what? Go for it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Most most of, like, mo- most of my memories of, like, watching Naruto is from that huge middle period where, like, Naruto and Sasuke don't hang out anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's so nice to just see them being dumbasses in the woods together. Yeah, it's, it's great. Like, I think there's a really solid dynamic here. I'm sad it doesn't last. Yeah, well, well, I guess Naruto is too. That's like what most of the show is about. Yeah, so maybe you know, I, I, I like there's stuff there. I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, okay, you ready to move on? I'm ready to move on. At dinner, Sasuke and Naruto have an impromptu eating competition to the point of throwing up. Sakura asks who's been ripped out of a framed photo, and everyone goes quiet as Inari stomps off. We learned that Inari had a cool stepdad named Kaiza, who saved him from a dog stealing, bully-induced drowning, and saved the village from a flood and stuff. 
Now, of course, when Gato strolled into town and made everyone poor and starving, Kaiser had something to say about it. So Gato had him crucified in front of the whole town and executed. With that story, Naruto has convinced himself he needs to train even harder and prove Inari that heroes do exist. A thing I like here is, um, I mean, th- this is me doing a little bit of a stretch for the show, I think, but I do like how we, we sort of get like some level of like the tension that Sakura has between trying to be like a, a nice and polite girl and her kind of like rowdy, rude inner Sakura part where she like is trying to be polite about it, but she like immediately wanders into the most obvious conversational minefield in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I also like when Naruto starts hearing about, uh, like how Inari had like a had like a guy who was basically like his dad, but not his real dad, because his real dad was dead. Naruto's like immediately at high alert. He's like, "Oh shit! You can get a new dad if your dad dies. You can do that. You can do. You can just get more dads." He's like, "Ah, oh, fuck! I could have been having dads this whole time." Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into like the flashback proper? Uh, I do want to say I'm really proud of the phrase uh, "dog stealing bully induced drowning." Yeah, hey, what's up? What's up with this, these these good old days in the in the land of waves before Taza showed up where the kids are trying to murder each other over dogs? <laughs> well, you know, I guess it probably makes sense that it's like weird for a kid in the land of waves to not know how to swim. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't think that boy like tried to drown. No, but he's like, okay, well, I guess gonna drown. We're just gonna take his dog. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, what do you do? Save him? <laughs> I guess. I guess you're just like, shit, I myself a dog. I don't want to think about this kid that's dying in front of me too much. Maybe these kids are normal. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Uh, also, it's really funny that the dog just starts swimming away as soon as, uh... Yeah. I love that there's, like, a cut back to the present where, uh, Tazu's like, oh, by the way, the dog didn't die. Just, just, so just in case you're worried about that, the dog was fine. Yeah. Yeah, so Nari gets rescued by Kaiza, and Kaiza immediately has, like, the worst, uh, like, like, if I was a child who had just, I was drowned, I would start crying and not stop if somebody's like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer that you're, you don't have your dog anymore, but you kind of betrayed your dog, so, like, <laughs> yeah, r- <laughs> what the fuck was they supposed to do? He was being held in place with the dog I thrown into the water. Yeah, if, if he did jump in the water after the dog, then he would have been in the water and thus drowning for longer, and so Kaiza wouldn't have saved him on time, and so Kaiza never would have gotten a new son. How, how, how do you feel about like Kaiza in this flashback? He is really funny. He is extremely the cool dad that died. So bad he is the cool dad that died. <laughs> we don't have any time for anything else than him being the cool dad that died. He's got like a kind of half make motivational speech. He saves the day. He dies. He's got that cool little like rope headband mm-hmm. so that we know that he fishes. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's cool dad stuff. To fish? Yeah. All right. I'll take your word for it. Everyone knows that cool dads have to fish. Cool dads do have to fish. It's just the case. I'm, I'm, I'm on board now. You've convinced me. Um, the other thing in this flashback is that we see that Gato can kill whoever he wants with no consequences. Yeah, and crucify them. And crucify them, which is where I start to wonder if a bridge is enough, because the guy can kill whoever he wants. Well, he has ninja. Uh-huh. So yeah, he can kill whoever he wants. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think in Naruto just anybody can kill whoever they want, as long as it's like a fight and not murder. I think this is murder, probably. But like, there's a, there doesn't seem to be any sort of like, I don't know, like, 
any sort of uh like societal thing that could be like, hey, you murdered that guy, Tagato? Like, he seems like he's pretty much in charge here. Well, he is. Yeah, like, he he seems like there's nobody else who's even, like, who even has, like, the, uh... Yeah, there's not, like, a mayor standing off to the side, like, well... He's like, ah, ah, geez. Like, (laughs) usually you're not supposed to do that, but, uh... But, oh, you're giving me money, or anything like that. Like, it's, it's just, like, this is, this is just Gato's, like, corporate fiefdom. Yeah. Which I guess is a thing you can do when, like, there's ninjas. Yeah. But, like, again, I, I just feel like if you are in the corporate fiefdom of the guy who can kill whoever he wants, there's only so much having a bridge can do. Like, maybe he just goes, that's my bridge now, and I also, like, control trade over the bridge. Like, <laughs> because he can kill whoever he wants. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, like, the real answer is you get somebody to fucking pop his ass. Yeah, like, I guess Gato's endgame here is, like, I'm, I mean, I guess Tazuna's endgame here is, like, okay, if I, as long as I get the ninja to come all this way, I can just guilt trip them into killing this guy, and then I'll be cool. I'll be nice Gato. Yeah, I'll be nice Gato. I'll make lots of money, but, like, still let people have some of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where Gato went wrong. Yeah, he, he took all of the people's money away and didn't give them jobs. Spent all of our money on dumb little sunglasses. That's so sad. We were supposed to buy food. We're supposed to buy food, but we have to pay a sunglasses tax. Like, we're not getting taxed on sunglasses. We're getting taxed so we can afford sunglasses. (laughs) It's never even sunny here. Yeah, so I think I've said my piece on that episode. Yeah, I I feel like we've kind of gone through it with that episode. I'm ready to move on. All right, before I read the recap of this next part, do you want to let out a big sigh? Uh, why? Why is that? Well, you know, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead. You can, you can sigh after. Alright. Episode 12, Battle on the Bridge. Zabazar returns. Haku heads out to pick herbs and finds Naruto passed out in the woods while everyone eating breakfast back at Tazuna's house assumes he's dead from chakra loss. Haku wakes Naruto up and they have a chat about training and ambitions. We learn that Haku met Zabaza as a starving child, and explains true strength comes from having someone to protect. Now, uh, a quick addendum to that recap. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Haku met Zabaza as a starving child, it was Haku who was the starving child and not Zabaza. I understand there is a little bit of, uh, it was, it was unclear, uh-huh. the phrasing of that. Zabaza was a starving child, Haku was a starving baby. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say right off the bat, or... Hey, Ruby? Yeah? Is Haku an egg? You know, um... Who could say? <laughs> I... 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 That, that Masashi Kishimoto wasn't thinking about that, really. Mm-hmm. I bet Masashi Kishimoto was thinking about this as, like, a kind of guy you could put in your comic. Yeah. But there's, there's some gender afoot, huh? There's a little bit of gender going on. There's a little bit of gender going on, maybe. He wears the pink robe. Uh-huh. And he puts on a fucking joker. Uh-huh. Let's let's his hair down. This this isn't this isn't the case in the anime, but in the manga, there's also like some pretty consistent shading on Haku's lips that makes me like kind of wonder if he's supposed to be wearing lipstick. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, just heading out to pick herbs where no one's gonna see. Mm-hmm. Dressing up for who? Right. There is some kind of like coding going on here. And I don't again, this is this kind this is kinda of like what I was talking about with like the line earlier about Zabuza's perfect body, where like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to take away from this here, because I'm not really like living in the mind of like a probably pretty conservative manga author. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to interrogate what's going on here because I'm not going to like what I find. Right, but it's we we also we also do have to like talk about it a little bit, you know. Like we have to. We have to is the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like a little bit dire. It's yeah. I'm like I I I don't know if it's just because like Naruto is a thing that's been with me for so long that I'm able to be like yeah this is just what's here and I'm like moving on with my life. Mm-hmm. But I, I I can I can understand like a greater degree of discomfort than I feel with this stuff ultimately. Yeah, same I think same. Because uh, ultimately what it comes down to is that I like Haku. Like I think Haku is cool. Yeah, I like Haku a lot too, and it's like down to everything like both. Both the turtleneck in the standard out in this like the standard outfit and the choker later when he's like under when he's like in c- civilian clothes, mm-hmm. like no way, like there's no way they knew, right? Yeah, no, I I feel like this is not like knowing on that level because yeah, I don't know. I I feel like there are there is another character in Naruto who is sort of like transgressing boundaries of gender in a more explicit way. Yeah. That I feel like is portrayed in a harsher light, generally. Right. Where it, like, like yeah, I, I don't know, like, it, I, it's hard to know what to make of this. Um, well, I mean, I think the answer is that it's, like, literally nothing. Yeah, like, like may, maybe the answer is just, like, here is, like, a, here, here is, like, a striking type of character, you know? Here's the really, here's the really, like, girly, feminine boy, you know, that people, that's, like, a character that people remember when they're, like, a villain in an arc. Mm-hmm. And like that's I I think that's borne out for Naruto because I think every like pretty much everybody has like fond memories about this arc. Yeah, and like and like these characters, but yeah, I I don't think it is anything deeper than is on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think it is largely coincidental um that other more subtler aspects sort of line up in the way that they do. Mhm. Cuz it's like there's no way they knew, right? Yeah, no. I I I don't believe that like I don't believe that like I, I, I would be really shocked if there was like an interview someone could point me to where Masashi Kishimoto is like, yeah, uh, with Haku, I was sort of like gesturing towards like the the differences in presentation that like that, yeah, I, I don't know, like I, I just don't think that's where like his head is at. Yeah, and like I, you know, that's fine. It's fine. That's fine. I, I, it, it just like it, it just really like stands out. Um. It especially like it especially stands like in in the manga where there's like a, a line that Haku has about how manly Naruto is that like comes across extra weird like like in in the anime translations I looked at like like in the, in the official subs and like I like looked at the dub line also like he basically just says like oh you look like a ninja already or you look strong or whatever but like mm-hmm. there's just like an, another layer of like kind of weirdness of like I, identifying like masculinity in in Naruto in that way do you want to talk about like the scene the scene itself beyond that though. Sure, what do you got to say about it? Like, again, this is another thing where things were like, we have this big point we have to talk about, but like, I like this scene. I think it's like, like, I, I think the beginnings of it before, like, before there's really any dialogue where it's just, you know, Haku stumbling across Naruto who's asleep in the forest and like, you get the moment of like, oh shit, is he going to kill him? But then he just like, you know, just has, like, has a conversation instead. I think that's like a really striking opening to the episode. There's definitely like, there's this, this kind of like ethereal feeling to it, like both in the way that Haku has like Disney princess ass birds landing on his shoulder and like <laughs> um th- th- this is true of like the backgrounds in this forest in general but like they have this really like softer washed out palette and like the characters themselves have like a, a softer palette in this scene than like they do in a lot of the rest of the scenes like like th- there is I, I there is a presentation of it as this kind of distinct moment removed from uh 
like the more normal reality where like kids have to fight and kill each other that they just get to have this conversation that i i find really like visually like arresting i guess yeah and and i like the conversation they have too just well before before we get there we should take a step back Okay, we should take a step back to, uh, like, okay, okay, we have that opening scene where, like, uh, where, where, where like, Haku is considering to kill Naruto, and then we, like, cut back to the house, where everybody's like, hey, did Naruto die in the woods? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, they're, like, really cool with it, and, like, the, I, I feel bad that I don't know her name, and I know fucking Zorian Waraji's name, <laughs> but, like, uh, the, 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 the like, Tazuna's daughter? Yeah. He was like, there's like a moment where she's like, is that cool? You're just talking about this guy being dead in the woods. Everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. It's normal. It's really funny. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, and we see Sasuke being fucking worried about his bro. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, I gotta go. I gotta go make sure Naruto isn't dead in the woods. I, like, I also gotta make sure he didn't climb higher in that tree last night when I wasn't paying attention. Also, I really like how Kakashi is calm about it, because if Naruto was dead in the woods, it would be like a like a capital p problem yeah it would be like yeah okay he's not dead in the woods because nothing bad's happened <laughs> like this town's still here so he's fine yeah did a giant fox demon fucking destroy the whole island last night no he's fine so naruto's a dumbass right yeah naruto doesn't know shit it's great it's pretty good but what, what, what brings you to say that here it took haku like, literally spelling it out for him, for him to realize that, like, oh yeah, having a motivation helps you get stronger. He he has a motivation, he believes he's using that motivation to get stronger, but I don't, like, he, he hasn't connected it to the fact that, like, he has started to have people in his life that he cares about, and that, like, care about him. Yeah. So, you've written something. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I wrote, um, nice conversations where you don't really understand the person you're talking to, which is how I feel about this scene. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like, I feel like Naruto is often, like, at, the, at this stage of the story, he's, like, a very, like, how, how do I want to talk about this? Like, I, I feel like Naruto is a character at this point who is often very, like, inwardly focused. And so a lot of the times his conversations with other characters wind up being about, like, kind, like, kind of what, what he gets out of it. Like, what, what kind of, uh, I, I don't know, like, um, so I, I, like, I, I think he is able to, like, take away from this conversation with Haku. Like, oh, you know, yeah, I, I have people I care about and that makes me strong. But I don't think he really understands, like, what it is to, to have that kind of, like, serious commitment to a person that Haku has in a real level um yeah like like in a way that like it it doesn't even register to naruto that haku was talking about himself yeah 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 for sure like that that that, that is a, that is a really good point like 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 naruto is just you know he, he sees haku and is like oh this is just like a girl picking herbs for like normal reasons and it's like and has no uh real suspicion of um there being anything anything more going on here but it's also like yeah like there's definitely a sense where naruto has like completely avoided understanding the extent to which this person he's talking to like is able to like give him this insight because he has he has that understanding about himself right like because mm-hmm. i yeah i think there is a very like a, a very clear running thread through all of naruto that is naruto runs into somebody who has like a similar like situation or past to himself and like is able to connect to connect to them here and like it's just like he 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 doesn't have that moment of recognition here right yeah there's literally two of them in this episode three if you count sasuke Uh uh-huh 
Like he, like he, he, he th- like he has like a little montage where he's, he's thinking about like various people who protect other people. Like he thinks about Kakashi protecting him. He thinks about Yurika protecting him. He thinks about like he he, he thinks about Kaiser protecting Tazuna or Kaiser protecting Kaiser protecting Inari. Sorry, mm-hmm. because like that's like something that's been explained to him. But he he doesn't um he doesn't uh like like he 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 doesn't extend that that um like that possibility of understanding out to something he doesn't like out beyond that point like beyond what he's been explicitly told so he he doesn't know how to like really look for like other people who are hurting even though that is something that would probably be very good for him and also like you know it would probably be good for haku if haku was able to get some understanding in the scene that he doesn't really yeah man i like haku so much i hope he turns out okay yeah i hope everything goes really well for haku there is definitely like a genre of Naruto fanfic that was like, what if Haku's okay after this arc? And Haku, like Haku's just fine. And Haku meets Mayosi and they're friends. <laughs> I heard you say Mayosi and I thought it was a name. No. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck's Mayosi? <laughs> That's uh, Zori and Waraji's adopted son. They're gay. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, representation. Win. You're Naruto. How can meets another trans girl and they become girlfriends? Hey, you, you can write one of these fics if you want. Like, nothing's stopping you. Uh, I, I feel like it would be a conflict of interest. I can't. <laughs> I don't think I'd be allowed to do this podcast anymore. Okay. I, I would let you, but, you know, if, if, that's, if your personal code of integrity wouldn't allow it, then, you know, I'd prefer you to keep doing the podcast with me. Mm-hmm. Naruto and Sasuke finish up their tree climbing, and Kakashi tells them they'll be ready for guard duty in the morning. Inari and Naruto have an argument over dinner that ends with them both stomping off. Kakashi catches up to Inari and explains how similar Naruto and his situations are. In the morning, Naruto wakes up to an empty house, and Inari's mother informs him that he was left behind on purpose to give him extra time to rest. Not wanting to miss out, Naruto rushes off while Zabaza and Haku attack the bridge workers. The two katana goons who like to stand next to Gato show up at Tazan's house. And the episode ends with Sasuke showing a handful of Zabaza clones how eager he is to cut Zabaza clones. Okay. So, first of all, I think it's delightful that Naruto's immediate, like, att- like uh, attempt, like, a display that he's figured this thing out is to just play a prank at everybody. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's re- really good. Oh, right. Actually, there, there was one thing I, I had in my notes that I forgot to mention in the, the previous section. We're talking about Haku. Yeah, a, a thing that's uh, that like I, I realized about um, Haku's flashback is that Zabuza is still in uniform when like they meet each other. Yeah, I, 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 I was just like trying tr- trying to make note of that to, like place my understanding of like the backstory between these characters, which I assume we'll get more of. I, I don't remember most of this arc mm-hmm. because it was like kind of from before I started watching Naruto consistently, and I only got bits and pieces. Um, the timeline that I think is there. Is Zabuza is a shinobi. Mm-hmm. Zabuza meets Haku. Haku becomes shinobi. Haku becomes tracker ninja. Zabuza defects. Haku goes with. Yeah, because yeah, that, that is that is like very likely. I I just in my memory I always thought that like Zabuza picked up Haku after he like defected and had his fail and like had his failed coup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like we we also get the 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 scenes where Haku is like referring to his tracker ninja mask and he, and he's like. You know, I I have good memories of this, and, you know, it's serving me well. Yeah, so maybe I was just wrong in how I remember this arc. Yeah, right. So so it sounds like Haku was at one point like a legitimate tracker ninja. You know, unless there's something else going on there. Yeah, so I, I think that the main thing I want to talk about in the back half of this episode is the scene where Naruto kind of blows up at Inari over dinner. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I like. I, I kind of like the scene. How do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I like it too. Um, Naruto calls himself a superhero. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. And then the hero Aka guy was like watching that and going like, "Wait, what if?" And that's how we got. That's that's the whole that's the whole origin story of My Hero Academia. <laughs> yep. No, I, 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 I like that it is not just like Naruto deciding to yell at a kid that is like a cat, like, like, I, I like that's not the whole thing. Like, I like that that is just kind of Naruto lashing out at like somebody he kind of like, at like an emotion he kind of recognizes. Yeah. Because I, I, it, it, it does a lot for me that this, that it takes Kakashi like approaching Inari with like actual like, like empathy and kindness to like make that moment into anything more than just like Naruto yelled at a kid and the kid is sad. Well, I mean, yeah, like, the thing about it is, like, Naruto did just yell at a kid, and the kid is sad. Yeah. But, like, I, I feel like th- there are definitely things I've read in which, like, the the simple act of, like, yelling at somebody would be enough to set him straight. And I think having Kakashi, like, go and talk to him is a nice extra wrinkle on that scene. That makes it, like, go down smoother for me. And I also think it's, like, a nice moment for Kakashi, who's just, like, yeah, Kakashi is, like, paying attention to and understanding these kids. Because a lot of time when we see Kakashi, he's just kind of, like, needling them and, like... Yeah, m- most of what Kakashi does is, like, be an asshole to children. Mm-hmm. Like, like I-, I forgot to bring this up in the- when we were talking about the previous episode, but when they start training, there's a bit where, like, Kakashi says to Naruto, like, yeah, you're never going to be Hokage at this rate, which is, like, a, you know, it's, like, a pretty normal, tough motivational statement. And he says to Sasuke, like, damn, you're, like, the last hope of the Uchiha clan, you aren't shit, which is brutal. <laughs> just fucking vicious. <laughs> but like you know it's it, it's nice to have this moment of like yeah he's paying attention to these kids and like what their emotional states are and he he gets them or he at least gets naruto and sasuke i don't know if he's paying attention to sakura he's not yeah i want to be clear i'm not like going i think that kakashi is a misogynist i think that misashi kishimoto is a misogynist and can't like write a guy who cares about women to the extent to make them not seem like a misogynist right yeah H- huge difference the real Kakashi. <laughs> the real Kakashi. But no, like, you, you know what I mean. Like, I, I don't think Kakashi is being intentionally written as the guy who doesn't care about women. Right. God, fucking imagine. Are you asking me to imagine misogynist Kakashi? Or, like, if Kakashi cared about women? No, if Kakashi cared about women. Oh, uh, okay. Be... It would probably be a different world. Maybe, like, maybe Sakura could, like, have an attack that she knew by now. Yeah, Sakura could be so cool. Sakura could be so cool because her whole thing is that, like... You know, she doesn't have, like, a ton, she doesn't have, like, a ton of chakra, but she's, like, you know, she's really studious, and she can pick up on the basics of a lot of stuff really fast, and she can, like, apply these, like, practical aspects of them, like, pretty well, which I feel like is a really strong position for, like, an underdog hero of a shonen manga, but she's just the girl one, so, yeah, like. Yeah, 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 and then, later on, they could add the wrinkle where, like, she pitches a fit, and she could punch really hard. Yeah. Like, even that's something. Like, ima- Im- imagine having that switch up at your disposal, right? Like, it rules. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, we're, we're not breaking new ground by being like, hey, Sakura's kind of like a hugely underutilized character. But, uh, it's true. Like, there's a reason people are, are always saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't actually have a ton to say about the rest of the episode. Like, it's a lot of, like, set up for a big final con- confrontation. But is there anything you want to talk on? To, like, touch on? I did like I did like the part where Zabaza was like like right at the very very end where where Zabaza noticed Sasuke's growth and like commented on it in like a kind of supportive way. 
Yeah. Oh, right. That, that does remind me of a, a thing I meant to talk about. We were, we were talking about earlier about how um, there, there's the parallel between uh, the parallels between like uh, Kakashi and Zabuza. And like, it, it, you know, in in the anime, we do get the scene where Zabuza explodes an apple to show that he's recovered. Right. But we, we, we don't get the scene where Kakashi is doing one fingered push ups with uh, Tazuna and Sakura sitting on his back to show that he's recovered. Oh man! Which I think I think is maybe a little more impressive than exploding an apple, but also I've never tried to explode an apple in the palm of my hand, so I wouldn't know. I used to rip apples in half to impress people in school. Did it work? I ripped the apples in half. <laughs> okay, uh, that's 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 close enough. But yeah, I I think I'm like I'm I'm pretty much talked out on on these episodes. I feel like you know we're gonna get into the actual fight next time. So you know. Yeah, I think I'm good on these episodes. Uh, which ones are we watching next time? All right, so next time, because um, this arc ends on episode 19, we're going to uh, mix things up a little bit to try and uh, make sure that we're not like resolving this arc and starting a new one in one episode. So next week, we are going to be watching episodes uh, 13 through 16, uh, we're watching four episodes because like in my memory, a lot of those episodes are like a little bit lighter. Here's just fight stuff is happening. And then the actual like meat of the resolution of the arc will be in the episode following that. So we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how talking about four episodes goes, but hopefully it'll be like pretty smooth. We get to talk about like a battle on a bridge. All right. Well, thanks for listening to episode four of Konoha Crush. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, later. And remember, there's no such thing as filler. <laughs>